Amen. How many of you believe you serve a faithful God? How many of you believe you serve a faithful God? If you truly serve a faithful God, would you put your hands together and praise that God who's been faithful to you? People are still dying like flies. You're still here. And last time I checked, it's not because you're any better. It's because God is faithful. Amen? Um, As we start a new series, we are done with summer in the sun, as summer is coming to, coming to an end, even though it's not officially end of summer yet. But if you're in Florida in September, you know, you're no longer in summer, amen? The weather may feel like summer, but we are getting ready towards the fall. So with that in mind, we are, um, Brother Dave and I, we are starting a new series called Fall Classics. Okay. Okay. I guess they want they want summer in the summer to continue, right? Um, so this idea of the, behind the series is that we want to go to some of the classic passages of scripture, right? You guys think about classics, right? Classics songs that are classics, like "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney Houston. That's a classic. No one should try to sing that song, right? Like Space Jam, the first one, that's a classic. They should not try to make a second one with, with the second greatest basketball player of all time, right? See, two people get the joke. Um, man, that's a tough crowd this afternoon. Amen. Wow. Um, let me let me start with my corny jokes now. Get to what I'm supposed to do. Oh, wow. Wow. Tough audience. Um, so we are starting with the classics of classics, right? The 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 most famous um, scripture, the most famous Bible um, verse in the whole um, Bible. You all know what that is? John 3.16. So this afternoon, um, I would like to call your prayerful attention to John chapter 3. Um, even though it was read from the beginning, I'm going to read from the, the first 21 verses again. Um, verse 16 and 17 will be the pericope for our sermon. But verses 1 through 21 will be read in your hearing. How many of you believe that you can never read God's word too much? You know, I can stand up here and speak for hours. My words as they are cannot change you. But the word of God, I wish I had a witness, the word of God. For, for that, would you please, if you're able to stand, would you please stand in for the reverence of the word of God as I read again? Um, all right. Our projection? All right. Well, all right. I'll read from the... NIV version. Uh, I believe the projection is supposed to be ESV, but I read from the NIV version. Hear now the word of God. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, declare, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. 
So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not know. Do you, and, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lift, lifted, lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have, but have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light, because of their deeds were because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth come into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that he has done that he has done what he has done through God, the word of God for the people of God. Would you bow and join me in prayer? Father, we bless you. We thank you for sending your son, your one and only son, so that whosoever believes shall not perish, but have eternal life. Lord, it is in his precious name that we stand to preach. So Father, we ask that you would embolden me by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that I would tell the truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As you take your seat, I want to preach from this subject, a love without end. A love without end. When I got married, one of the requirements for my wife to accept my proposal after we got married is that I had to watch the movie The Notebook. The Notebook is a classic love story. It's a story of um, a young lady who comes from a very affluent family who went to summer, um, summer vacation in South Carolina and fell in love with this young, rugged, good-looking man, just like me. Man, y'all not feeling me today. Um, fell in love with this young man even though she was betrothed, even though she was, she had somebody that she was promised to, but she fell in love with this young man that she could not get away from, even though her parents did everything that they could, but she could not get away from this love. But what draws my attention is the fact that if you fast forward after they end up being together through all the hoops that they went through, was that she ended up having dementia. She could not necessarily remember their love story. But the husband, the husband 
was committed to go every day to the home, nursing home that she was staying, to share the story, to share the, their love story of how they met and how they fell in love and what happened with their love story. And that's how when you watch the movie, and I, I promise you, if you should watch a movie this afternoon, if you got nothing better to do, go watch the notebook. Right? It's a good love story. And so he's retelling her the story. And every now and then, there's a flash of a memory that comes back to where that she remembers the person who was in front of her telling her the story. And, and the way the story, I, I don't want to be a, a spoiler alert, but the way that the story closes is that when she died, they both died together. And, and the notion is this, this notebook that the man has He's telling her the story that comes from there because it is written and is only retelling her the story. It's a beautiful love story. And you would say, this is a perfect love. This is a love that seems to have no end, except that they both end up dying together. That's how much they were in love. But can I tell you, as beautiful as this story, this love story is, it's nothing, it pales in comparison to the love story that I'm about to tell you. This love has no ends. It's the love that God has for us. And here in our text, we now come to the most, to the most popular Bible verse that ever comes to pass. Everybody knows John 3.16. As a matter of fact, if I were to say, let's say it together, we would say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I mean, I can say it in French. If your, if your kids are patient, you better know it. I only have three Haitians up in this place. Now, we are better than this. In other words, we all know this. And if you don't know this Bible verse, you have not been in church and you are not a Christian. <laughs> so the reality of it is this. We come to this love story and to, to, to this essence of where Jesus is now encounter Nicodemus. We can say Nick at night. For those of you who remember the Nickelodeon channel, they used to have a, a, um, at night, Nick at night, where they showed different shows that was more matured, right? Nick at night. Nicodemus is a religious leader. And he heard, he has seen what Jesus has done. And then he came at night to meet with Jesus, to have an interview with Jesus. And, and this interview here is, he's coming at night for a specific reason. Number one, he doesn't want to be seen by his fellow colleagues, seeing that he's talking to, to this Woke rabbi. But he realized that Jesus ain't just nobody. So he said, in the text he said, listen, I know you must be from God. Because nobody can do what you do if they are not from God. So this is his first confession right there. He's realizing that Jesus ain't just nobody. Can I tell you this? Jesus ain't just not one from God, but Jesus is God himself. And that's why the whole crux of Christianity, the whole thing, it hangs upon Jesus. And John 3, 16, in other words, in a mouthful, that's the gospel. So Nick said, you must be from God because you, I know you're from God because you 
cannot do what you do if you're not from God. Jesus says, well, you're a teacher of Israel. You better know. You better recognize. <laughs> you better know somebody. But Jesus now go and look deeper with them. He says, well, if you have to be saved, you have to be born again. And Nick says, how can this, how can this be? It says, because I cannot go to my mother's womb because I'm already too old. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm not speaking about flesh. I'm speaking about being born of the Spirit. Can I stop here parenthetically to say, if you are watching, if you're listening on the radio, if you are here in this uh, um, uh, sanctuary, if you have not been born of the Spirit, you need to make a decision today. And that's where Jesus now moves to speak. And, and Jesus make a... a speak of something that's important. If you, if you look with me in verses 14 and 15, it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Now, you got to flash back. That's Old Testament. Y'all remember when the serpent, when the people uh, um, uh, um, were murmuring against God, and when people um, sinned against God, and God sent a serpent, that the serpent would bite them. If you got bitten by the serpent, then you know, they were dying. and But the only way for them not to die, because when Moses went back and pleaded before God on behalf of the people, and God says, put up a stick and put up like a, 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 a caricature of a serpent on the stick. And if you got bitten by the snake and you look up to the stick, if you got bitten by the snake and you look up to the stick that Moses uh, um, God stand, uh, um, stand up, that that you will have life. In other words, as the snake were bitten people, the only thing you had to do, whether you were, if you were going this way, if the stick is up this way, you have to look up the stick, then you had life. And there, that's a prophetic word here. Jesus is saying this, I will be killed, I will be crucified, and I will be on the cross and Anyone who look up to the cross, oh, I feel like preaching. Anyone who look up to the cross, it doesn't matter what the sun, what the sins were, but if you look up to the stick, if you look up to the cross that I will be on, because what Moses had was a caricature. I am the real deal. And so there, Jesus is bringing his attention to the Old Testament and saying this, I must be lifted up. And there is a song that says, a verse that says, if I shall be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's why if we come up here and start giving you philosophy and all that nonsense, if we don't bring you up to the stake, to the, to the cross, to the old rugged cross, then you got to sit, sit down and be quiet. And it's important for you to understand this. If someone is preaching, they don't preach Jesus, they are not preaching. Because Jesus said, hey, just as the, 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 in, the, in the wilderness, the serpent was doing this, and they had to look up to this caricature. They have to look up to me. And can I, can, I, can I push it a little further here? The world has been bitten by the snake. Okay, all right. The world has been bitten by the snake. And the solution is still the cross. I had one, one witness. Let, let me say this again. Sin... Sin has one remedy, and the remedy is the blood. Jesus hung on Calvary's cross, 
And three days later, he rose again. That's love. That love is something that no one can truly fathom. And there we see John 3.16 encapsulate what the entire Bible is. In other words, if you don't know no other verse, if you know John 3.16, you know the entirety of the Bible. Man, you're looking at me like I'm speaking Chinese. John 3.16, in so many words, encapsulate what the gospel is all about. There's a God he loves. There's a God he gives. There's a God he saves. No one can give. No one can love. No one can save like God. Let me say it again. Our God, he gives. Our God, he loves. Our God, he saves. And that's the entirety of the entire Bible. God loves God gives and God saves. And here is it. God gives the very best that he has for the very worst of humanity. I don't know. I don't care how cute you are this morning. I don't care how fine your suit. You can be looking just like me, GQ. That's right, Pastor GQ. You can be looking just like me. And you can be wearing the finest dress or you can be sitting in your pajamas at home. I don't care how cute you think you are. If you do not know God's love, you have not yet been loved. If you have not received God's gift in Christ Jesus, you have not received any gift on that's a gift unlike any other. And if you've not been saved by God, then you are not saved. You are a dead person walking. God sent Jesus Christ being the very best of what heaven has to offer for the very worst of humanity. You realize this. We did not initiate this. This is not of our own doing. That's why you cannot earn your salvation. Because you were, the Bible says this in Romans, while we were yet sinners, Christ, uh, while we were yet sinners, in other words, while you were still doing what you were doing, God decided that he was going to love you. God loved you and your sins past. God loves you in your sins present. God loves you in your sins future. That's why you got to run to Jesus and say, that blood got to wash me away. Now this verse, can I break it down for you? This verse is breaking down into 10 words that I think makes, makes the entirety of what I already mentioned, what the gospel is all about. Look at those 10 words. They, they should be projected. 10 words, right? Oh, well, it, projection didn't fix right. Um, that's on me. You can, you can fix it while I'm, while I'm speaking. I'll tell you what the 10 words are. God loved, world, gave, son, whosoever, believe, perish, have life. Those 10 words grouped together in this one verse constitute a significant union of terms. They are the greatest words in the entire Bible. Because that's where you find God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish. The message of the whole written Bible is comprehended in terms as in no other. Now, these terms are remarkable. It's a big deal. 
it, it, look at God taking some simple words to express himself. In other words, whenever a preacher preached, they said, what is your sermon in a, in a sentence? If you ask, what is the Bible in one sentence, it's John 3.16. The Bible in one verse is John 3.16. So now, let's push this a little further. There's a, a, a theologian of old called uh, um, Dr. A.T. Pearson. He put it like this. He says this. Those ten words together, when you group them into a group of five, you find what he believes to be the explanation of the gospel. Watch this with me. Watch this with me. The first two, he put God and Son. Right? God and Son. Next slide. I think that I believe, I believe that's the next slide. God and Son. Right? God and Son show us the supreme giver and the supreme gift. God the Father and Christ the Savior, two of the ever-blessed trinity of the Godhead, cooperating in the effecting of our salvation. In other words, God, the, 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 the triune council, God the Father, God the Son, they had a meeting. They had a meeting and they said, God, they said, how are we going to save men? Jesus said, I'll come down. I'll come down. On your authority, God the Father, I'll come down. I'll come down and save men. Because there you see when Jesus came down to die for us, that's God and the formal and the Son, the second person of the Trinity, that comes down and remedy our issues. Here's what you have to realize. Every time that someone would sin in the, in the Old Testament, they had a ceremonial law where they had to kill an animal. Blood had to be shed in order for that sin to be rem remedied. Here, the only, even the, the animal had to be without blemish. We talked about this already. Without blemish, perfect animal. Here, in our sin, the only thing that satisfies God is a perfect sacrifice. And no one on earth could satisfy God. God's need to be, to be satisfied for our sin. And Jesus said, I'm coming down. Here, we see God the Father, the first pair, God and God and Son shows us how they work together in affecting our salvation. Look at the second pair. Second pair shows two expression, shows us two, the two expression of the divine generous gift. God loved and God gave. Every, every, anything that's really matter. When somebody says they really love you, there's a, there's an old cartoon show that I used to, I used to watch, right? It says, hey Arnold, don't watch that. I don't, I don't think it's anymore. It just says, if you love me, make me a sandwich. There is something about us whenever we, somebody says that, that they love us, there's a sentence which says, you have to prove that love. That's how some of us fell into sin. Because if you love someone, you ask them to prove it, that they love you. Can I tell you the best way to, to prove you love somebody? Put a ring on it. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, I did. Yes, I went there. So God, now watch this. It is God who loves. 
And God now is proving his love to us. He gave. He gave Jesus Christ. That's the, 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 that's the, that's the divine, generous gift, or what they call the G divine, benevolent gift. Watch the third pair. The third pair show us, shows us in two, the twofold direction of God's loving and God's giving. Watch this. It's giving to the world and whosoever. Right? You see, you see, you see, you see the progression? God, God and Son, and then we move from God and Son to see God loved and He gave. So loved and gave. And so now we're seeing to the extent upon which God is giving. To whom God is giving? To the whole world and whosoever. In other words, God is giving, God's gifting here is as broad as the world, but also as specific as you. Woo! You missed that. God's giving is as general as the entirety of the world. But it is also as specific as you. In other words, God knows your name. God knows you individually where you are. And that's why if you are hearing, listening to me online, if you are listening to me on the radio, if you are here in the sanctuary, God knows your name. And God's love expressed in the direction of that God, not only the world in a general sense, but you specifically. Isn't that good to know? I don't know about you, but that's comforting news right there. That ought to make you shout hallelujah like you're Pentecostal. That means God knows you, whatever it is that you are in, wherever you find yourself right now. God knows. Remember that song? He knows my name. He knows my every. He sees each tears that he. God knows your name. That may not mean much to you, but that means a whole lot to me. God knows my name. Little me, Pericles Tima. Of Haitian descent, God knows my name. I mean, my, my name may not be in light, but God knows my name. Here is the good news from this here. I, I, ooh, I feel like preaching. Not only God knows your name, but when you accept his gift, his free gift of salvation, God, you are called a son or daughter of the Most High God. See, not only he knows your name, but you also have the ability to be called him Father. Father. Not only Father, you know what the Bible says? A friend of God. See, the, the, so, 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 the, so the, 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 the gift is expressed to the world and also to whomever. Look at the fourth uh, um, pair. The fourth pair shows us the two things that all human beings are privileged and invited to do. Every single one of us. We are invited to what? Believe and to have. Some people got it, get, get this twisted. They said, well, if I have this, then I will believe. No. When you believe, then you have. You cannot be a Christian if you don't believe. In other words, you can't have God as a friend you cannot have God as a savior if you don't believe. 
Are you guys with me? Fifthly, it shows, the fifth pair shows us the two ultimate extreme of human destiny. Hear me now. Hear me clear. Let me make sure. This thing is on, right? Everyone is awake. Hear me. The two extreme that we all destined to go. You can be cute. You can be ugly. You can be whatever. But there are two extremes. Because if you have not gotten God and his son, if you have not received his love and gift, if you have not been included in a sense of the world, if you don't think you're part of the world and the whosoever, and the general and the specific, if you have not believed and have, then guess what? You're perishing. That's your destiny. You're perishing. You guys see what I'm doing here? If you don't believe in God, if you reject his son, if you have not accepted his love, his gift, his free gift of salvation, if you don't think you're part of this world that's sinful, if you don't think you specifically need Jesus and you don't believe in him, you don't have God, you don't have Jesus, guess what? You're perishing. Here's the good news. But if you're like me, I need God. I believe in his son. I receive his love. I receive his forgiveness of salvation. And I know that I am part of a world full of sin. Meaning this, since Adam and Eve sinned, I have sin in me. And because of that, I believe. I believe I am the whosoever. The whosoever, you can put your name on there. The whosoever is any one of us. If we believe, then guess what? We are perishing. We have eternal life. Do you know that your body will perish, but your soul will not? Your body is dust. Dust will return to dust. But your soul is eternal. As a pastor, I've buried babies as, as old as five months to old people as like 90 years old. 20-something in between, 20s, whatever in between. And, and you know, I've seen, I, I, I have some, some, some funeral stories, and, and I love doing funerals. You know why? I get to preach the gospel. But you sit there, you see people about, oh, take me with them. That casket that's sitting right there, that's gone. That, that's just for show. The body, that's just a body. The soul is wherever the soul is going to be. Back when, in the yesteryears of youth ministry here at this church, there's this exercise that we used to do, like your own, your own funeral, write your own eulogy for your, your own funeral. When your casket is right there, what will they say about you? And can I tell you something? I don't care if they say you had a billion dollars. I don't care if they say you are the most famous person on earth, but if they cannot apply John 3, 16 into your life, if they cannot say that that's your testimony, then guess what? It's for nothing. It's for nothing. Now, let's push this a little further. If we dig deeper, we'll observe that each of these pairs of, of words, the first the second grows out of the first. 
Watch this in verse 1. The case of the first pair, the two words, God and Son, the word God is the comprehensive name of the deity. But now emerging from the mystery of the divine being and coming to us through the miracle of the incarnation is the one who is, while being the very God of very God, bears the name of the Son. In other words, God, as Tony Evans mentioned, if God took a selfie, you're looking at Jesus. Jesus is God's selfie. In other words, if you want to know what God looks like, if God were to ever have a form of a person, if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Look at the second pair. The two words, loved and gave. The giving grows out of loving. Had God not loved, he would not have given. God does not love us because Jesus died for us. As some think mistakenly, no, it is the other way around. The Son of God died to redeem us because God loved, already loved us. The Son of God died because God already loved us. Look at the third pair. The world and whosoever. Again, I've already mentioned this. There, the whosoever, that's each one of us. You see it's come out of the world. In other words, look, think about this. I have three kids. My wife and I, we have three kids, right? So there's the Tima family. There's the Seju family. There's the Eli family. There's the Elford family, right? But each one of our kids, they cannot say that, oh, well, it's mommy and daddy's faith. They have to profess faith for themselves. In other words, they part of the team, our family, but when it comes to Jesus, it has to be for them. Jesus loves the team, our family. He dies for every member of the team, our family, but they have to accept them. So you see, out of the team, our family comes Perry, comes Noriah, comes Kyle. Even though they have the last name Tima, but they are whosoever. They are part of the, out of the Tima family, they are the individual. So same thing here. Your mom and your dad, faith cannot be your faith. You have to espouse that faith, but you have to take that faith for you personally. Watch the fourth pair. Believe and have. How clearly again, that grows, the, the second grows from the first, it is by believing that we have. If you don't believe, you don't have nothing. I've already mentioned this. Watch the final one. The fifth is also true. Perish in life. The word perish covers all those who are outside of Christ. And there's no eternal life for outside of Christ. I don't care how much fun you have. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how many women you sleep with, how many men you sleep with. I don't care how much drugs you do. If you don't have Jesus, you are perishing. And a lot of us, we are masking our issues with things that are only destroying our bodies. It really doesn't matter how big, how bad you think you are. I mean, have you seen those people in Hollywood? They have all the drugs. They have all the money. They get to pick whoever they're going to be with. They, you know, they can be with one person one day, one next day, get married every other, every other week. 
they're still committing suicide. And you've seen those poor people who got nothing, and they seem to be happy. You know what the difference is? Jesus. Because there's no amount of money, there's no amount of anything that can replace what Jesus can do for you. A perishing world. No, there's another word to add. For emerging from the ranks of human race come, from for, come forth a, a, a mighty host who have found salvation and eternal life in Jesus Christ. Notice Jesus came to be just like a man like you and I. From there, the world should not be perishing. And that's why, and, and, and I'm pleading with you, don't think you are too young. Don't think you are too young. I did a funeral uh, um, in New Jersey about a couple years ago. It was Easter Sunday. A young man went to the club. Young man, full of life, 23 years old. He had some nice dreads, you know, gold teeth. You know, like, it was like a G. Went to, went to the club, was nobody's, causing nobody's trouble, heading to his car to go home. A drive-by shooting. One bullet, dead. Left behind, a fiance who was expecting. When I get to the funeral, I've never been in a funeral where I've been giving this kind of uh, uh, um, cortege. For me to get there, the, the church was a smaller church. And, 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 and I'm, I'm getting somewhere with that story. There's the, a the smaller church. And they literally, think of this like this, right? Third Avenue, right? From simple to Copens was blocked. They blocked that. Cops blocked it. And they put speakers uh, um, for people because it was that overflow. They put speakers. Imagine, for those of you, uh, well, no, most of you don't know, like think of re smaller redemption, like the original church we had here. A church that's slightly bigger than that. And then they basically blocked everyone. For me to get in, cops had to escort me to get in with my parking. For me to get inside of the church, they had, to they had to escort me to get past around people. I got there and never met the young men. They just wanted somebody who speaks English to preach. And they call. I say, I'm available. And I got there, black suit, white shirt, black tie. There's a lot of older pastors there. They speak their French and all that stuff. Then when they done, I said, well... I'm not going to speak French. And I'm speaking already spoken. I'm going to speak English. Everybody kind of crack a joke. And the young man is sitting there, and I'm looking, and I'm reading the young man's bio. 23 years old. Expecting a new baby. About to get married with the lady who was expecting. 23 years old. Sitting there. And all of his friends, you know, they got the cash and all that stuff lying right there. And I said, I don't know where he is going. It's not my job to place him either there or over there. But here's what I can tell you. For those of you who are listening to me and watching and standing here, hearing what I'm saying, what are you doing with your life right now? This young man obviously was popular in the street. But 
when the bullet came, he was 23 years old. The people were talking about the plans that he had, this, 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 and that. Here's the thing. Your life is numbered. Your days are numbered. And so, therefore, you have to realize this. Am I perishing or am I going to have eternal life? This text is not done yet. Because now you said, how can I apply this? How? We talk about a love without end. So, how does, how much does God love us? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you have your Bible, flip with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Because how can you put a measurement? How can you put a, 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 a scale on how much God loves? Flip with me with Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, you can read, begin at verse 14. But I, I read verse 16 since we're against the time. It says this, that according to the riches, Ephesians 3.16, it's projected on the screen. This is very small. Um, sorry about that. Um, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart, through in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend or understand with all the sense what is the, somebody said breath, Breadth, length, length, height, and depth. And to the to know the love of Christ that surpasses uh, knowledge, that you may be filled with, with all the fullness of God. So, and, and now it goes with, with and Paul closed with, uh, um, with a benediction. Now unto him was able to do abundantly, then all we can ask or think according to the power or work within him, um, within us. To him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus to all generations, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Now, let's go back here. The breadth, are you guys with me? The breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. Now, here is this here, picture this. The, 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 the breadth, the, 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 the breadth, it, it, it's, it's, it's here speaking about how wide, right? So how wide God love is. How much God love us, it's wide. I have this thing that I do with my kids, especially with my daughter, how much do I love you? It says, to the moon and to the moon and back. And they say, how much do I love you? They say, to the moon and back. So we'll go back and forth. And, and now, here's the thing. People actually have gone to the moon and come back. So therefore, if I said the love that I have for them is to the moon and back, it has a limit. <laughs> the, 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 it, it has a limit as far as how far it goes. But here... God so loved the world. I gave you 10 words. I did not give the word so. The word so here changed the whole game. Because when you think about the breath, God so loved, that's the breath, right? And, and that he gave his only son. I'm going to come back to this in a moment. That's the length to which his love would go. That he gave his only son. For you to understand this, every one of you was a parent or if you're a child, think of it like this. It's you saying this. I'm giving my son, I will sacrifice my son for somebody else. Anybody doing this? That's the length to which God, God's love would go. Watch this. It says this, that whosoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. There, there, you find the extreme death for which God's love comes to save us. The death that will go. And, and, and you see, you see that there's a song that says, so wide 
You can't get over so low. You back in the maestro in his choir. I don't know why I'm I'm I'm, I'm always remember the, the song in the choir. I love the, the words of the songs. It says, "You can't get under him, but you must come in and buy into the limb." In other words, if you don't buy into the limb, there's no depth you can go to that God cannot reach you. There's no height you can go to God cannot reach you. There's no extreme you can go that God cannot reach. In other words, God's hands is as long as it needs to be to get you. It's as wide as it needs to be to get you. When Jesus got on the cross, he expressed how wide God is willing to go. When he extended his hands, in other words, there's no extreme that would come that God would not be able to get, to, to get you. What I'm trying to tell you right here, right now, young men, young women, what I'm trying to tell you right now, it doesn't matter the extreme of your sins. Jesus' arms open wide enough to get you. You know how I know? He got me. He got me for my sins. I was deep in sin, but yet he saved me. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. I know that's not fancy because why this is not interesting to you is because we have an issue. You know what our issue is? Let me go off my script now. We have, we have an issue. You know what our issue is? Sin. Sin is not a popular term because we live, we do according to how we feel. If I feel like doing it, Therefore, it is right to me. But see, here, God is telling you this. It's not about what you feel. It's about the sin that you committed and how far I'm willing to go for you. Watch this. But everlasting life, eternal or everlasting life, that's the wondrous height to which he can lift us up. Eternal life. Eternity means something that never ends. Do you know that? You and I, one way or the other, we will live for eternity. It can be eternity with God, which is paradise, or it can be eternity away from God, which is hell. Now, you say, Pastor Perry, make this quick. How wide is God's love? It's to whosoever. To whosoever. Whosoever. And here, it is God himself who makes the sacrifice for our sin. And First John 2, 2, it says this, He himself is the appropriation for our sins and not for, our, uh, for ours only, but also for the entire world. That's why when Jesus saved you, he didn't save you just for you. He saved you so he can share with the world. There's a illustration that Dr. McGee, uh, um, Javon McGee gave, and I think it's a really apropos. There's a young man who was um, being examined to take membership of the church. You know, and, and they said to him, how did you get saved? This is what they said. He answered, I did my part and God did his part. And they thought that they found this, a flaw in his theology, meaning you, there's no part you can do to be saved. And then, so then um, they said to him, what was your part and what was God's part? He said, my part was sinning and his part was saving. Let me say it again. You just missed it. He said, my part was sinning. His part was saving. The young man says this, I don't run from him as fast as this sinful legs and this sinful, uh, and this sinful rebellious heart could carry me because, and he, he done took out, he done took out after me till he done run me down. And my friend, that is the way, that is the only way any of us is saved because God has pursued us because he loved us first.
curse. No amount of anything else has pursued you like this. No amount of money, no amount of drugs, no amount of anything, fame or anything like that. You know, the, you know, you know, the beautiful thing is, the funny thing is, society has a way of lifting you up and tearing you down. But when Jesus lifts you up through salvation, and no devil in hell can take you away from him. Ooh, my soul's about to get happy. But, but not only you see that it's, it's as wide as whosoever, but you know, you know, the thing is, its length has been demonstrated by what God has done. It's length by demonstration. That demonstration is Jesus Christ on the cross. Again, I'm trying to reiterate the same thing over and over and over again. How far will you go to show someone that you love them? To what length? To what length? But Jesus sent, Jesus came down so he would die for us. Oh, Romans 5, 6, 8, I already alluded to it. It says this, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Last time I checked, you and I, we are the ungodly. And if you don't know Jesus, you are the ungodly. For scarcely, for scarcely for a righteous man will, 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 will die uh, um, for one. But yet perhaps a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God commends, approves his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a staggering truth and demonstration of his love. I was at a funeral one time. I don't know why I'm giving you funeral illustration um, this morning, but I was at a funeral one time. It was a young woman who had just lost her husband of two years. She was very young. And you know, and what they said, flirtage, right? And she said, oh, oh, let me go with him. I want to die with him. I want to die. And she got before the, before the whole, before the, 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 the casket and where they're going to, where they're about to lower the casket. She said, let me go with him. Let me go. Let me go. And somebody that was holding him, somebody that was holding her, let go of the hand, <laughs> let go of her hand. <laughs> and then, and then she turned around. And there's another young, young, good-looking young man that was there. The good-looking young man grabbed her hand. And then, and then because she didn't really want to go. She really want to go. As much as she said she loved the one, she want to go. Two years later, she married the guy who, who held her hand. But that's, that's a different story for another time. But what I'm trying to tell you is simply this. As much as she said, let me go with him, let me go with him. Nah. Now, even a spouse is not willing to die for another. Ah. Uh, there's this illustration that they gave about a father whose son needed a kidney. And, 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 but, but the son had this, 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 this protein in his blood that when they had to do the blood transfusion, they had to get some blood from the son to put in the father. How, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to explain this, but, but I may not do it justice. But see here, what happened is the father gave the son the kidney, but as a result of the son's um, uh, um, blood, father ended up dying. Now even then, even then, you said that's love, but yeah, well, that's not as that's that's not as far as God has gone for us. Because when Jesus died for us, it's not just for us to live a temporal life; it's for eternal life. Love that love—it's a love that ever gives. It's a love that forgives. It's a love that outlives. It's a love that ever stands. It's a love that with open hands. It's a love that lives. It gives. And it is this love's prerogative to give and give and give. And this morning I'm pleading with you. This love is saying this. I want to give you life. How deep is this love? It's deep as hell. Some of you are living in hell. 
based on your life's circumstance, based on how you're living, and God says, I'm willing and I'm ready to go there to pick you up. All you got to do is raise your hand. Just call up on me. There's a Haitian artist who gives the story. He says he was a Mason. He was a Freemason. And he said that he was, um, he was one time at a seance, and, and, and they, they do the things, and they transport into a different world. And he realized that he was somewhere he could not get out. And he remembered that his mom said, if you call upon Jesus, he'll come and get you wherever you are. And he said this. He said, Jesus. And the last thing he knew, he was in the middle of the street in Port-au-Prince. But that's not where he was. But he said, Jesus took him out. And from that moment, he gave his life to Christ and sang about Jesus. In other words, what I'm trying to say to you is this. Wherever you are, he can get you. That's as deep. That's as deep as it goes. Lastly, the height for this has no measurement. You cannot measure the height. You know, one thing he used to do when PJ was younger is to mark his growth. In our home in Pittsburgh, we have one of the doors. There's a place where you can see when it was one, when it was two, when it was three. Now he's as tall as my wife. But, but you, you see his growth. But, but see, that's the, that's the height of a human person. I'm six feet tall. That's as tall as I'm going to get. But God's the, the height to which that God is going for us. It's not just a height that you can see, but it's an everlasting life. That height. And so that's God's love. And I love this song. I'm pretty sure the worship team is going to sing it for me. They will sing it for me. Andre Crouch wrote this hymn. And I love the hymn. I love this hymn. I wish I could sing. If I could sing, I'll sing it right now. But I'll close with this song, with these words. It says, the blood that Jesus shed for me. Man, I, I was to give me a B-flat, Tim, but Tim is not on the keyboard. Way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Look, look how far this, 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 this reach. It reaches to the highest mountain. How low does it go? It goes to the lowest valley. And it, say, it says this, and it flows to the lowest valley. It says this, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. And here's the thing, it never loses its power. It soothes, it, it soothes my doubts and calms my fear. It dries all my tears. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Some of you are crying. Some of you, the behavior that you are displaying is because you are crying. It's because that you are hurting. And God is saying this, the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary, way back on Calvary, it would never lose its power. You can be depressed. You can be sad. But I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus has something to do that you would never, you, you would never understand. Let me close with this. PJ was one years old. And we came down to preach a revival. I'm, I'm going to preach in Bethel. We stopped by Peterson's house to see Peterson's parents. And PJ began to throw up. And I wasn't in the car. My wife was in the car. But Peterson's mom went to see my wife and PJ in the car. PJ's throwing up. PJ's throwing up like, it's like, it's like his neck begins to fall the other way. And Peterson's mom and good old Haitian pastor said, Le son of Jesus! Le son of Jesus! Y'all heard that, right? The blood of Jesus. And then whatever was going on with PJ, stop. Because there's something about the blood of Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, if you let this blood washes you, you will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. May God bless you. Amen.